Hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 267 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are outlining ways in which we can create evergreen spaces in our homes. Now, what on earth does evergreen mean? When we say something's evergreen, what we're really saying is that it's timeless. It endures. So how could we create rooms in our homes that are not ultra trendy and need frequent updating? How could we create rooms that are similarly easy to update when the time comes without spending a lot of money and wasting a lot of resources? To help me answer these questions today, I am speaking with Jessica Velazquez. She is an interior designer who understands that not all of us have the budget or the will to go out and buy new and expensive furniture and decor items every single year. Jessica, I am really thrilled to talk to you today. How are you? I'm doing very well, Stephanie. Thank you very much. How about you? I'm great. I always love to talk to designers because I have no (laughs) skills in this department. Why don't we start our chat today by you telling us what you do and how you found yourself interested in interior design? I'm from Panama, actually. I'm originally from Panama. I live in Canada and I'm a mom of five. I am an interior designer who loved rearranging things around her bedroom since she was 12. So I navigated naturally into interior design. Probably last six years, I've dedicated solely to interior design. And I've actually talked a lot to first-time homeowners as well, because I find this is a section of the population that is neglected. Their budget is not as robust as it is for people who are upgrading or even downsizing. And they still need to have a place where they feel taken care of and supported. When you wrote to me, you mentioned how you have the concept of evergreen rooms as a design target that homeowners should strive for. What is an evergreen room and what are their benefits? Evergreen is it's a plant that will stand through the seasons. And when we talk about an evergreen room is one that will stand through trends and seasons, the one that will not expire next year because something new came up and the new colors, Pantone, all of these com- painting companies just issue their new colors of the year. And then all of a sudden your room has expired. So evergreen rooms will stand the test of time and will not expire, like I said. Style is not a matter of the price tag or even taste. I think it's more about lifestyle. So if you embrace a style that you feel is trendy, but it doesn't adapt to your lifestyle, it won't matter if that particular style will last for years if it doesn't adapt to your lifestyle, it's not going to resonate with you. And in, in, in a few months, let's give it a year, you're going to be tired of that because it just doesn't support the dynamics in your family. Style follows lifestyle, not the other way around. I'm not an interior designer by any means. If you walked through my house, you would probably be shocked and appalled. But I do feel as someone who 
does love to leaf through home decor catalogs, that home decor is very similar to fashion, women's fashion, in that trends come, everybody hops on the trend bandwagon, opens their wallet, buys the next thing, and then next season, it's replaced with something else. So I'm sure most of my listeners who are tuning in today are on board with the concept of evergreen rooms. We don't want to continuously head to Home Goods or Crate and Barrel or whatever the home decor store is that we prefer to buy the next thing to update our decor. However, evergreen rooms or minimalist decor can fall into a trap, which is white walls that are devoid of personality. Can you speak more to that? Are evergreen rooms always white walls without personality or not? Not at all. An evergreen room will not expire, but that doesn't mean that it's neutral or boring or not even minimalist because anyone could create an evergreen room, whether they're minimalist or not. I think the key here is what kind of homeowner are you? Are you the type of homeowner that will get bored with the colors and the accent pieces in a year or two? Others would love a room and the pieces they selected, everything, and will stay there for years. I'm saying five, seven years. I find that most people like to give the room a space, a refresh The key here then is you don't want to be spending an astronomical amount to change everything in the room. You just want to give it a refresh, just change a few things, maybe recycle the the decorations that you have and the pillows that you have in your living room, bring them to your bedroom. That's about recycling. So the key here is identifying what type of homeowner you are and then dividing your choices between the predominant pieces of furniture and the accent pieces. The predominant pieces being the piece of furniture that is the biggest one in the room, the one that catches your attention the quickest, like your couches or your dining set, built-ins, your headboard. Those are usually where your eye turns to go first when you walk into these rooms. Those pieces, you want to keep them neutral and classic. By classic, I don't mean they have to necessarily be traditional lines like antique. No, it just means that the style, the colors can go with anything. So if I buy my headboard that doesn't need to be white, it could actually be black. It could be gray. It could be cream beige. But those colors will allow me to bring in bedding that could be blue. And then I would bring in artwork that has some blue and whites. But next year or maybe in a year and a half, I want to change it. I want to refresh it. I don't need to change the headboard. All I need to change is my bedding, a few pillows. And if I played it right, maybe not even my artwork, just a few pieces. So my suggestion is to start with the smaller pieces, the ones that are the least expensive to change and see how that feels. But if if you play it right, whatever you bring into your room, those predominant pieces will go with a lot of different colors. Okay, Jessica, you're rocking my world right now. I must say, you've just taught me something that I probably should have learned before purchasing a home and decorating it. What I hear you saying is that the big stuff, 
the focal points in a room, the dining room table, the couch, the headboard, the kitchen table, the big stuff, you should make some bold choices with those big pieces. Is that correct? That is correct. If you are that type of person that are like to, to buy pieces that are more the quality instead of the smaller pieces here that will probably be more trending, then your biggest investment should go towards those pieces that will go with everything. That would be evergreen. I love that. But you also argue too that it's important to identify the perhaps problem areas or the tricky areas to style before you ever buy a single thing. And as a minimalist who's also frugal, I need to know more about this because I don't want to waste money and I don't think my listeners do either. So how do you identify and solve those potential problem areas before buying? I go to a house and I talk to the homeowner and they ask, help me refresh my entrance. Help me style it in a way that tells who I am, my style, my personality. And I look around and I see problems. I see shoes on the floor, jackets that don't have a place where to be put or hung. I see furniture that is oversized or that is not placed correctly. So those are problem areas. Those are issues that need to be addressed first. Because in reality, I could go in and change the colors and install wallpaper, change the lighting, you name it. But if those problems are not addressed first, nothing will change that. It could be beautiful on the outside, but in the inside, that entrance is crying for solutions. Families need storage solutions. Our dynamics will tell you, will tell us, what is it that we need to support that lifestyle. Those shoes need a solution. They need some kind of system because otherwise you're going to have a beautiful styled entrance, but you're going to have shoes everywhere. So if you have children and they have toys and they leave them around, provide solutions for that. Maybe choose uh, double duty furniture, like an ottoman that has storage, um, cabinets that where you can put basket for toys or school supplies, But those solutions need to be provided before anything, any decor is brought into the room. What I love about your answer there, Jessica, is that you argue that it's important to solve the problems before you take out your wallet and before you buy a single thing. I think a lot of times with home decor, with fashion, with anything in life, our first impulse in a consumerist society is always to open the wallet and buy the solution. But what I hear you saying is that buying should not be step one. Buying should go way down the line in the steps associated with making an evergreen room. And I would agree with that. As sustainable minimalists, my listeners are sustainable minimalists, they hear me say all the time that buying is a last resort and they're probably rolling their eyes as I'm saying it again. But a solution doesn't have to come from a store. You mentioned the entryway and shoes all over the place. My kids, the solution to their shoes is they each have an oversized bin for their shoes. The bins weren't purchased. The bins came from my basement. They were repurposed. It doesn't always have to be an expensive, let's go out of the home to find 
the solution. I totally agree with that. I believe strongly that there needs to be a needs assessment before and a lot of self-awareness. When we understand the type of family we are, how we want to live, the vision that we have for our family, the solutions and, and even the decisions to purchase something or not become so much easier because you've arrived to that place of self-awareness. Sometimes as consumers, we're letting the prices and the sales offers determine our style, determine what we bring in. And that becomes very restrictive. We're going to take a quick break, Jessica, but when we come back, I'm going to ask you all about the how to design that evergreen room that's not going to go out of style and that we're not going to get sick of after a couple months. So we're going to get into that after a quick word from this week's sponsor. Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. And we are back. We are designing evergreen rooms, how to do it, why we should consider doing it, and what's step one and two. Jessica, before the break, we discussed not buying new and essentially shopping our homes. We also discussed not buying the new big pieces, so the staple, the centerpieces of the room, buy timeless for those and then just change out the smaller elements. But I also wanted to just bring back a point that you mentioned before the break, which was 
you said the term needs assessment. We need to do a needs assessment before we buy anything. As you said that, I chuckled to myself because even though you're right, even though we all need to do that needs assessment, that introspection before we buy something, like needs assessments are not fun, <laughs> right? Going to stores and perusing online and buying stuff, that is fun. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have any words of encouragement for people who are like, oh, I don't want to do a needs assessment? I do. Any thoughts? I do. Maybe <laughs> let me put it this way. If you were to hire an interior designer, the interior designer will do that for you. They would actually research with you on a personal interview through a lot of questions about your family. They would say things like, tell me about your family. How old are your kids? Let's just say we're redesigning the living dining room. And they will ask questions like, how do you use this space? Do you have guests? Do you host parties? And how? Do you like to cater or do you like to cook? So you can imagine the line of questions. So this needs assessment is part of every designer's job. Designers don't go out. They, they're not hired. And the first thing they do is go out to buy. Buying is the fun thing. Buying is the sexiest part of interior design, but it is not the first one and it is not the most time-consuming one. The most time-consuming one is understanding how this family works in this space and determining how this space can better serve them. If that is how professional designers do it, then that's how we as regular homeowners should be doing it for ourselves. If we want to avoid returning items or accumulating things that we actually don't need, that needs assessment, as boring as it sounds, needs to happen. You just gave me a lot of encouragement for the next time I design a space. I must say, hiring an interior designer has never previously been in my family's budget. However, I love to hear that you start with that needs assessment because it tells me that whether I'm working with a professional or not, I can't skip that step. I know I personally, as I'm listening to you talk, all the design mistakes that I've purchased are coming to my mind. Our couch is a big one. We had it, I don't know if customs the word, but we made it to order. And so when it came and it wasn't right, we were actually genuinely and woefully stuck with it. And so if we had done that needs assessment first, we would have saved ourselves from making many thousand dollar mistakes. So now let's transition our conversation back into those evergreen rooms. So we are ready to perhaps design. We've done our needs assessment. We know what to do with the staple pieces. We're buying or otherwise acquiring timeless pieces. Now, what do we do with the rest of the room? What do we do with the walls? What do we do with the accent pieces so that it's timeless and not trendy? Very good. So like you said, you have your room, you have your predominant pieces that will go with everything or mostly everything. Now it's time to bring in the accent pieces. And accent pieces could be, I'm going to bring it down from the most expensive ones to the least expensive ones. Okay, so the most expensive ones being cabinets and chairs. You go down the list, area rugs, artwork, coffee tables, any accent tables. You go down one level and you're probably talking about drapes, 
not custom drapes, just your store-bought custom drapes. Uh, sorry, store-bought drapes, pillows, vases, table lamps, the small pieces of accessories. The more comfortable you feel updating, then the more you can go up or the higher the tier you can go. So if you want to refresh a room and change all the accent pieces, then you want to make sure that those bigger ones in this category, like accent chairs and cabinets and that, can be changed without changing everything else. But if we are not comfortable investing and you just want to give it a quick refresh, maybe just for the next season, summertime, and you want to just bring brighter colors into your room, then make sure that your smaller pieces are the ones that need to be changed only. To give you a clear example, in my bedroom, I may have winter colors, a little bit darker, more texture, and I just want to give it a quick refresh. All I need to change is probably my pillows and my throw blanket. Or if I want to go one more tier, I can just change the pillows, the throw blanket, and maybe the vases and the decorations. And then and then you keep going up one more tier, depending on budget and how comfortable you feel. But if you don't want to invest a lot of money in changing the bigger pieces, then make sure that the smaller ones are the ones that need to be changed. And therefore, those cabinets, those accent chairs will also need to be not necessarily completely neutral, but in colors that can be interchanged in rooms and with other colors. And for those of us listening who are frugal by nature, perhaps we don't want to spend a lot of money updating our spaces. We start with the cheap stuff or the inexpensive stuff, I should say. We start with maybe switching pillows out from another room or perhaps switching out the artwork, perhaps taking some trinkets, some vases, some lanterns, some other tchotchkes and moving them around. Maybe we buy new, maybe we head to the thrift store. That makes complete sense to me. If we're sick of a room, if we're sick of our dining room, we're not going to just go out and buy a new dining room table. We're going to start with the smaller things first, and that might do the trick. Yes, absolutely. I have used, I have a few predominant pieces of artwork that are large enough. And that's another uh, advice. When you buy artwork, you either buy larger pieces of paintings or if you like your walls more fully decorated, make sure that your frames, your artwork together collectively create the visual image of a larger one. So that's one thing. That's a piece of advice. Now, back to my point. I do have a few artwork pieces that are large. I'm talking three by four, two and a half by three and a half. And I change those throughout my home. I may get tired of using this one right by my entrance and I switch it to my living room and I've switched it to my bedroom. And then I just switch the pillows. And like you said, the smaller pieces of accessories, like maybe the table lamp or a vase or a bowl, but bringing the colors, you want to pull the colors from your artwork. That artwork is an essential decor element. That speaks to me as somebody who loves her home and wants her home to be beautiful and doesn't want to spend a lot of money. But then my question becomes, Jessica, do all my rooms have to have the same color palette? Not at all. If you come to my home, my my bedroom is it has some blues 
And my living room has some grays and blacks and, and ochres. I, I, I mentioned ochre and the mustardy color. I love it. And in my dining room, I have some teals and greens. And so I don't have the same colors, but I do exchange the pieces that, and sometimes I do buy a, a new ones. I have a blue wall here in my office with prints, but that blue will go well with the blues in my bedroom, which would go well with some of the grays in my living room. So it's just a matter of looking into what you have and seeing where things can fit. The point with an evergreen room is that you don't have to change everything. If you play it right, your most expensive quality pieces will stay evergreen throughout the seasons and you can just update and update without having to spend more money. Perfect place to leave it, but I'm not going to leave it because I'm speaking with somebody (laughs) so knowledgeable. And I just have one more question for you. Again, this is a personal question that I've always wanted an answer to. So I'm going to ask it. And that has to do with the color of the walls, the color we paint our walls. I know that changing a paint color is a relatively inexpensive update. However, I do find that it's a extremely annoying and time-consuming and life-upending update. I'm talking moving furniture, covering furniture, having professional painters perhaps come in and change the color of the walls. And so for anybody who's, if I have anybody who's listening right now who's painting walls, what should they consider when choosing that color? Are you going to say choose a boring white or not? I don't find white boring, first of all. I find white as the perfect canvas. You can accessorize and bring that room with so many things. So the white will give you a perfect canvas. However, I do love a good feature wall. Wallpapering a bedroom or the living room dining area might be beautiful to some people, but if your listeners will choose to do that, they just have to be very careful that one wallpaper they will choose, which will be very expensive to wallpaper the whole area, will be able to be matched with so many different core elements throughout the years. That's a very bold move. Painting the whole room or the whole area in a bold color is also (laughs) bold and forgive me using the same word. So what you want to do is just bring in color in a feature wall. If you want to bring in texture and style, just do the one feature wall. And what wall to do? Probably the, that your focal, where your focal point is, where you want to just bring in the attention to. You just gave me a lot of motivation to (laughs) look at my home with a more critical eye. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Jessica. Tell us where we can find more of you and your services online. Thanks for asking. They can find me at my website, Interiors by Jessica. And I'm also on Instagram, Interiors underscore by underscore Jessica. I do a lot of uh, lives and I have fun on Instagram, basically. But if you go to my website, you can find my services. And I also have some freebies, like some guides on how to decorate and accessorize uh, with a cohesive look in mind. 
I just followed you on Instagram and I so look forward to continuing to follow your work and gleaning your wisdom. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you, Stephanie. It was an honor. Listeners, that's a wrap. I have linked to Jessica and some other fun stuff in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 267. Now, before we say goodbye, I have an eco tip and I have a correction. So we'll start with the eco tip. The eco tip comes from Lisa. Lisa wrote to me and said that she has a morbid Uh, but useful eco tip for us. And Lisa, this isn't all that morbid. So thank you for giving it. Lisa's tip is that if you have makeup that you're not using, so maybe it's the wrong color, wrong texture, for whatever reason, you're not using it, you can contact your local funeral homes and see if they'll take it for their clientele, (laughs) if that's the right word, their clientele. So makeup you're not using, call your local funeral homes. They may indeed take your makeup to use on their clientele. So thank you so much, Lisa. Great tip. Now we're on to the correction. The correction is I made a critical pronunciation error in my episode, last episode, titled Made in China. I, over the weekend, deleted the episode from the podcast feed. I updated the episode without the pronunciation error, and I have since re-released it. So I want to say thank you to all of you who told me that I got it wrong, and three cheers to those of you who reached out to me in a kind (laughs) and heart-first way. I am a human being. I make mistakes. I've made mistakes in the past, obviously, and I will likely continue to make mistakes. So in the future, if I get something wrong, please tell me and please do it in a nice way. Thank you so much. I will see you on Thursday where we are discussing ways in which Americans waste money, sure. But most specifically, we're speaking about the rise of subscription services. Dun, dun, dun. Get ready. It's going to be a good one. I will see you on Thursday and take care. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.